I was a chef for like about 10 years, but I always stayed behind and helped out on pastry or, or like I was always helping out on bread. That's kind of where it, where that little bug come from. Yeah, it was all yeasted breads back then, little kind of scrolls and rolls and uh, things gradually. I got, I got Dan Leppard's book, um, The Handmade Loaf, which was something I had probably when I was about 20, 21, I think. And that was something I, I would just either play around with either at work or at home or just kind of read and fantasize about making these beautiful sourdough breads from all over the world. Yeah. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in the sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, baker and author Michael James joins me from Melbourne, Australia to talk about his journey from chef to baker and his internationally acclaimed cookbook, The Tivoli Road Baker. He shares his thoughts and tips on sourdough and answers listener questions about starter health and vinoiserie and even tells us about his second book to be released later next year. You won't want to miss this one. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our most recent contributor to the podcast, Thomas Vroom of Vashon, Washington. Thank you so much for your generous donation to the podcast and for helping us keep the lights and microphones on. Thomas operates Fernhorn Bakery, a community-supported bakehouse. So if you're in the Seattle area, look them up for some amazing locally made sourdoughs, bagels, and pizza dough. Thank you, Thomas. Don't forget to check out the Sourdough Podcast website shop where you can find the Sourdough Podcast t-shirt and the one-of-a-kind Sourdough Podcast UFO LOM handcrafted by Tyler at the Wire Monkey Shop. This season of the podcast, each of my guests will be receiving one of these beautiful walnut LOMs emblazoned with the Sourdough Podcast logo. And now you too can score with style and help support the podcast at the same time. So be sure to head on over to the sourdoughpodcast.com to shop, find other baking resources like books, recipes, and links to useful products. And of course, don't forget to check out the last two seasons of episodes featuring people from all around our sourdough community. And one last plug, Tyler at the Wire Monkey Shop has started a fund to help support bakers in need. Money donated will go to bread bakers who are in financial duress due to the coronavirus using Instagram as an outreach platform. With your generous support through your UFO lawn purchases, the Sourdough Podcast was able to contribute $240 to this fund. So please consider helping out if you can. You can find more information at Tyler's Instagram account, Wire Monkey Shop. Don't forget to stick around after the episode for more music from Weston Perry. You can find more of his music and videos on his Instagram account at Weston Perry Music or for purchase wherever you download music. And now, here's my interview with Michael James. My guest today is Michael James. Michael is a chef turned baker who, along with his wife Pippa, founded the Tivoli Road Baker in Melbourne, Australia in 2013. Michael published his first book, The Tivoli Road Baker, in 2018, in which he shares his thoughts on bread, native ingredients, and the community that sprung up around his bakery. Michael has been described as one of the greatest bakers of his generation, and I am so happy to have him join me to talk about his journey, sourdough, and with any luck, a little bit about his forthcoming second book. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a, truly an honor. 
Thank, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be on your podcast. Um, first, I think the first place I got introduced to you was when uh, I was interviewing Bonnie O'Hara in uh, in Modesto, California, which is just up the road from me. And uh, you know, she almost always has your book opened up to one of your delicious you know, brownie recipes or the banana bread recipe, banana yeah. cake recipe. Um, so that that was how I got introduced to you and been following uh, you on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have uh, had some communications uh, back and forth. Yeah, she's been a big, big fan of uh, of, of my book. So it's, yeah, it's been, and she's baked a lot. She's been very, very uh, kind with her um, appreciation and um, support with that with that book. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, we met up. I was in America last year. Was last year, last uh, March, to do. A, I did a course at San Francisco Baking Institute. So we met up last year and we exchange books <laughs> so, oh awesome yeah yeah so, so yeah tony has <laughs> been a big big support for myself Very cool well michael yeah. uh maybe we can start uh with you telling us about your journey uh from chef to baker uh because that's uh you actually trained as a and qualified as a chef by the age of 18 is that right yeah that's right yeah so i started off so i'm from um a little town called penzance in cornwall united in the united kingdom so um I yeah. As soon as I finished uh, catering college, I moved straight up to London just to um, get the best kind of exposure I could to find fine dining cuisine. And Mich- I worked in Michelin star kind of restaurants for quite a long time, where it's a, a harsh environment. Some sometimes you know, long hours, yeah. and physically and mentally demanding, and also a lot of um, bad shit goes on in those kitchens. That you probably <laughs> can't say too much about. Yeah, so it's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, so I did, I did, um, actually, that's kind of where I, I always kind of, um, I was a chef for like about 10 years, but I always stayed behind and helped out on pastry or, mm. or like I was always helping out on bread. That's kind of where it, where that little bug come from. Yeah, actually mm-hmm. in a, in a restaurant where I, it was all yeasted breads back then, kind of chefy. Yeah. Yeasted breads, little kind of scrolls and rolls and, uh, things, but, um, yeah, I was kind of fascinated by this thing that kind of, um, like a lot of people, it was, um, absolutely, it just, um, it's alive, I guess. Yeah, and it was, every day is a little bit different, especially when we go into the sourdough world. It's even more fascinating. So yeah, um, yeah it was something I always just stuck behind, and then eventually evolved into doing bread, bread in these restaurants, or just I just introduced like a bread, um, bread section. You know, why not? As another skill for a baker, to, uh, for a chef to have. It's it's good to know all about all the areas, whether it's wine or coffee and bread, and bread just really grabbed me from right at the beginning when I was about 18 in London so that was always from the beginning yeah right in the beginning yeah so but I I stuck at Sheffield for quite a long time um back in the uh, big city of London um uh in the restaurants I worked in so it was um and I just gradually I got got Dan Leppard's book um the handmade loaf which was something I had probably when I was about 20 21 I think around the early 20s and that was something that I I would just either play around with it, either at work or at home or just kind of read and fantasize about making these beautiful sourdough hmm. breads from all over the world. Yeah, so that was hmm. a, that, And Dan's a huge, um, I, can, I guess he's a good friend and mentor now, which is very grateful for. Dan Leopard. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, and um, I had the pleasure of him coming to Tivoli Road Bakery as well. We did a charity bake together just before we closed up. That was a real a real life, life achievement, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Someone like Dan back in a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, 
yeah so restaurants for a long time and I, like i say it just evolved slowly into doing pastry and then and then bread took hold it wasn't until i moved to uh sydney um i went to a place called burke street bakery which is actually is one just opened in new york last year okay um sourdough bakery you know, so i was i was a chef but i, I can i just basically it was just, at the time there were just a couple of shops so i just um I basically got exposed to everything. So I could make bread, I could do, learn about do all the viennoiserie, and I could do pies, sausage rolls, using my cooking chef in background. So it was mm-hmm. it was super useful for me. And that, with it being a small bakery, I, I just got to do everything. So, um, yeah, oh. was that, that was about 2004 or five. I was there for a few years. Do you, first do you remember, Michael, what it was, you know, about sourdough or bread in general that just kind of drew you in or kind of pulled you pulled you away from the, the chefing world um i think it's because it's just so much variation uh, i guess a lot of people say is but like every day is kind of different um even mm. like today for example i just finished the bake yeah it just it just took an extra half an hour an hour every day all the flowers um obviously the flour and the environment are big big factors in the in the final product so mm-hmm. um I think just every day you've been different and also like, um, and I'm right now I use a lot of, I got a mill, so I do, I do mill quite a lot of my grains. So. Oh, great. Yeah. What kind I of mill do, do you have? So I'm, uh, I've got a mock mill pro 200. Yeah. yeah. So I've um, got that a few months back. So I'm super happy with it. And yeah, that's, can, that's something I got a hold of a while back. I have a Como bio mill, I think uh, is the brand. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that just really transformed my, my bread baking, you know, like was mm. kind of something I could really tangibly like taste and, f- you know, experience like the difference almost instantaneously in using mm. like a fresh yeah. milled flour, but yeah. yeah, I agree. It's so nice. I'm, I'm baking with this lockdown. We've, well, we're actually coming out of the virus lockdown, but like I've been baking to the community as well. So, um, Oh, great. So, well, yeah, so I've been, doing like i just text there's a whatsapp group going on so i just text people <laughs> and make make a load of bread and and in a few hours you know an hour's time when we're done i'll just deliver the bread so it's um yeah it's a real nice thing to do while we're going through this together yeah yeah or well, you know we're talking about kind of how you transition from chef or uh, to bakery uh to baker bakery owner mm. and um you know you talked a little bit about you know uh you had worked in a Michelin star, two star uh, Michelin star. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, two star. And uh, actually, that was one of uh, I got a bunch of great uh, listener questions. One of them was uh, from uh, Bonnie, actually herself, oh, at, right. yeah. uh, Alchemy Bread, and she she actually was wondering, uh, yeah, what you know, what are some things people don't know about working in a Michelin star restaurant, and you know, what what are those things that maybe that kind of uh, pushed you to the baking world? Um. Yeah, it was harsh. I think there's a few factors. Um, like, there's a lot of abuse goes on in these places. Well, this is this is late 90s, so 98, 99. It was, mm. um, it was not so bad these days, but that was seen a lot of bad things happen. Uh, it was hard. There's a lot of, um, also with the food as well. I guess we have all this beautiful produce, and then we just kind of used to chop it up to little pieces and little fine dice here and there. And it's a little bit, I guess I just I was just finding myself at that time. It was kind of a little bit too fussy for me in some mm. ways. Like, I'm into attention to detail, but like, you know, we're um, spending hours and hours doing tomato concasse or, you know, <laughs> brunoise of carrots and all these kinds of fancy things. I, I just kind of, I just wanted, um, yeah, I just wanted to do real food. And, um, yeah. and, and I saw that because I was doing bread there as well. So I, um, I was obviously reading Dan's book and, um, 
at the time. So that just got me intrigued about breads of, of the world as yeah. well as you know, learning about sourdough bread. You know, I just had, I have no idea. I didn't do any training for it. So I just kind of taught myself. Uh-huh. And I just evolved very slowly. Yeah. Well, you know, at, that's, uh, you know, that's something we've talked about on the podcast a few times with some of my guests and, you know, I don't have any mm-hmm. professional training myself. And so really, you know, what I understand of like the culinary world or the baking world is like mm. based off of those interactions or like, uh, Netflix baking competition. Oh uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, there yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. There, there seems to be like this kind of dichotomy between the chef world and the baking mm. world. Um, mm. you know, and that's, you know, I don't know, is that something, it sounds like that's something you've experienced and, or is that representative of like, for example, you know, Dan Leopard, who you've talked about, you know, he said in mm. your intro mm. about you that, you know, you and your wife kind of share this modesty that earns respect in a world full of boastful noise and hyperbole. Um, yeah. it, that's kind yeah. of what I'm talking about. Is that something you're familiar with or experienced? Um... Yeah, I guess we just let the food do the talking. Yeah, we, we. I just, I guess I got kind of burnt out in the restaurants as well. Like it's, it's, I'm not sure where it's like in the states, but like in UK, it's super hard. And the hours is so long, so I just, um, mm. yeah, I just evolved. And I just, I'm with a bakery, we just kind of let let the food do the talking with mm. uh, the baked goods do the talking with what we working with the local community was so important for us. Um, like if it's not around us, we just would use it. Kind of simple as that. Um, mm. Yeah, so. Um, it's all about all about um and just looking after our staff you know, in the bakery was um you know we, we always had constant um discussions with staff like meetings every week so we we try and try and i guess i like, trying to learn from what i what i what i learned in the restaurants or mm-hmm. or didn't learn maybe in some way so um <laughs> so i try to um yeah just to listen to the staff or i guess customers as well of course yeah and yeah, it's. Uh, I guess we're part of the chain as well. With with going from the farmer or the producer to yeah, you know, we're in the middle middle somewhere, and to, at the end you got the customers who actually want to buy your product. So yeah, yeah, just n- nurturing it along the way with a few few grains and seeds. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely excited to talk about kind of that uh, local economy you kind of built up. You know, you talk about that mm. in your book, and oh man, your book! You know, oh, thank yeah. you so much for sending me this book. By the way, it's it's just a, a pleasure. book, yeah. and yeah. it's got over eighty recipes in it. Um, yeah, you know yeah, everything <laughs> from from yeah. like tarts and scones and galettes, the mm. uh, yeah. And I, you yeah. know, I was telling my wife last night when I was like getting ready for this interview. You know. I, you read in this book, it's like if you could just someone could just master like a dozen of these recipes, you could uh, open up a pretty awesome bakery. People lining mm. up around the corner, you know. But uh, yeah, it's just it's got so many great um, recipes in there. And um, thank you. Yeah, I see, yeah, because that book is, I guess, kind of a snapshot of what what we did. We we did we did a lot. Kind of most of what's in there. You know, we did sweet, savory, and bread, mm-hmm. and raspberry, pickles, and preserves. So yeah, that's a real. I guess a moment in time, you know, what, you know, that was what we did. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. What, one of my favorite parts was the, uh, supplier profiles you did. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you got, um, yeah, all, all the different, uh, suppliers that supplied the restaurant with, the, with all their goods, but you know what you actually, you started the book with, uh, your basic sourdough <laughs> loaf and, um, yeah. like the fundamentals yeah. of building a starter and shaping, uh, using a Dutch oven. Why did you yeah. choose sourdough as kind of your starting point for the book? 
What I just said, um, I guess it's what where what our bakery was. I guess is our, our our main staple. I guess the thing that we put a lot of work and effort into, and also what we the biggest seller as well. Mm-hmm. What okay. we? So it was. I guess it was our main thing, the sourdough range, because we did about um, about ten to twelve breads or more on the weekends, but um, each day. So and, and the sourdough was the the good starting point, and yeah, make the try and have a go at sourdough and then have a go at the um, spelt or the rice. Mm. Um, yeah, it's my, I guess it's, it's my main passion or enjoyment as well. It's uh, the actual, it's good old sourdough left. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, it's not a, it's not a exclusively, you know, a sourdough book or a how to do sourdough mm. book, but it has so much no. great info. And like I said, you know, it does, it starts there. That's as a starting point. Mm. Kind of goes from there into more advanced or like, uh, yeah you know fig and walnut loaves and you can just you know go on from that starting point um, yeah 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 so we, we put we, yeah we put in the um the, the big setters like the fruit bread was a big one and the multi-grain which was mm-hmm. yeah and also we included something that was more using ingredients indigenous to australia like the wattle seed and um yeah the red gum honey so that's the wattle seeds kind of a small from a bottle tree, I think. I think they might grow in California. It's uh, got a, like a bitter kind of like, um, dandelion, chocolatey kind of bitterness huh. to it. So it's kind of, it works really I'll well with to... the macadamias and the um, honey. It's nice. one of my favorites, actually. We, one yeah. of the things we just came up with one day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just got reading that book and just seeing how you use all these native uh, plants and ingredients, and it just made. Mm. I got my mind, you know, working and like think about all the different things we grow around here in the Central Valley of California. Yeah, ways we can use yeah. those products and. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, one thing I wanted to ask, you know, speaking of sourdough, I, I'm curious if there's a similar, you know, sourdough revolution or reawakening. I don't know what you want to call it, uh, happening mm-hmm. there in Australia, kind of like there is um, in the United States these days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even before the um, the virus, there was um, there was definitely more talk and movement with uh, towards mm. actual you know proper bread, sourdough bread. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that's I think been building a bakery. There's quite a lot of bakeries in Melbourne, like at least eight or nine that can be as good as anywhere in the world. Mm. Right about that, just sort of good whether it's sourdough or being raspberry. So yeah, definitely with a. Uh, I guess we're seeing on Instagram and on the internet these days and newspapers as definitely a huge the trend of this year is definitely uh sourdough bacon it's huge yeah <laughs> I, feel like I, we mean, say, I say that every year and it, it kind of is just keeps growing yeah. and growing and then like you said this, yeah with this virus it's yeah loaded yeah well, hopefully at least even if a small percentage of that maintain you know either starters or make bread that's a big movement to appreciation appreciating good well-made bread mm-hmm. yeah i mean it takes time and patience i guess people have got plenty of that right now so it's yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, they can just uh, hopefully carry on, or just like I've had quite a few messages from people saying I've been trying to make sourdough bread, and I mean, just really appreciate what you guys do. Mm. I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. I don't care how much it costs anymore. I'm just gonna keep buying the bread from <laughs> beautiful local bakeries, which yeah. is kind of nice to hear after all these years that people, are, you know, really appreciate what you do. So yeah, it's, there's a huge, huge amount of people are baking right now. It's amazing. I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. I've, yeah, I've had tons of messages about bread. It's usually start, starter questions and um Yeah. Well that's you know, I definitely yeah. got a, a few questions, you know, yeah. 
maybe you can answer, uh, take a stab yeah. at it, at least for our beginners mm. out there with, with all the mm. new uh, COVID-19 bakers yeah. out there. What, what would maybe be one thing for a beginner sourdough baker that you'd recommend mm. uh, to maybe increase their odds of uh, a successful uh, sourdough loaf? Um, for, uh, for me, I guess you, you got to start with a where it all begins, like the flour. I mean, you've got good, mm. good, healthy flour, preferably local as well, or beef, especially if you like, like ourselves, we, we milled it. That's, um, that's where it all comes from, like the flour, a good, healthy starter, then mm -hmm. with a bit of time and knowledge, then you can produce a beautiful uh, or a, a, a great loaf of bread that, you know, and that's, yeah, that's why I say, I mean, flour. A lot of people are using um, plain flour or all-purpose flour, I think you guys call it, so, uh -huh. which is obviously not a good start. So I just, yeah, bread flour or strong, Strong okay. bread flour, stone ground, good. Um, and then, yeah, just keep keep your starter fed. And, and like build it into your, like even myself, I try and build it into my routine. Like when I have breakfast, mm. I feed the starter. When I go to bed, I feed the starter. So I just get into a habit and then it's just second nature. So it's, Yeah. Um, well, that, that was one of my listener questions from Leal Vibes. He asked, you know, how do I, mm. well, he wanted to know how we could triple the size of a starter, not just double it. But I guess in general, you know, what, Mm. What's the key to a good starter, and you're saying using like yeah. a bread flour and, and maybe some whole yeah. grain flour. Yeah, definitely whole grains. Yeah, I mean like rye. I mean if you're starting out from scratch, like rye, whole grain rye flour is uh -huh. well, business will get you going for yeah. good microbes on the grain, and you know rye, rye is kind of like give you a huge boost. So rye is definitely the one to start with, or whole or wheat or spelt whole grain. Whole grains get it going within a few days um, mm -hmm. with the right temperatures as well. Temperatures obviously key. You know, you know, right now I'm mean, here. It's winter, so people are probably going to start struggling with with their doughs. It's you know, like mm -hmm. ten degrees Celsius right now. So yeah, so yeah, temperatures, good flour. It's very um, crucial. And then just don't be and just um, tell people to embrace their mistakes. You know, it's um, mm, yeah, something to enjoy. You know, just enjoy the process and learn from it. And you know, I guess it's um, something you can just <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, don't don't well, be afraid of it. A lot of people are afraid of it, and I just. Uh, Going right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's yeah. good. That's a good message, mm. you know. And the thing is, like, I think a lot of people maybe before the virus said, you know, trying mm. to fit this into like a busy schedule or yeah, or right. the, rent, yeah. The, the few hours that they are home, maybe on the weekend or the evenings. But now it's kind of like, wow, we have all this time, or a lot of people mm. are working from home and they can maybe keep their starter closer to their desk and kind of you know keep an eye on it and you know, observe yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, it, the time is right for uh, kind of working on <clears> those <throat> fundamentals. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, and hopefully then they can just learn to like, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, mix my starter and come when I come home, I'll uh, mix the bread and then put it in the fridge the next day, maybe bake it, you know, or just learn about different temperatures, things are quicker or higher starter uh, inoculation in the bread makes it quicker. Okay. So I mean, hopefully people can just, just learn the basics and just go on, go free. <laughs> just make it suit, suit, suit their schedules and patterns or even mm -hmm. like just the weekend. Yeah, they got that knowledge. So. Yeah, and with good, good flour. So that's where okay. it all comes good back flour. to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, mm. that's, that's, that, I definitely agree with that. Good flour makes mm. all the difference. Yeah, and good healthy starter. Not something that's not so um, beginner friendly, maybe, would be the Vinoiserie, the, the laminated oh, dough. Yes. In your book. Yes. Um, yeah, yep. you know they all you know and all the delicious things that you can make with them like croissants morning buns mm. uh pain au chocolat and you know yeah. this, to me it's like a brave intimidating new world mm. 
Uh, but I see, uh, yeah, I yeah. see you and like Adam Pager and, and like Kate Pepper, who I know you visited. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Just kind of raise that to like an art form. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something yeah. that's pretty intimidating for me. Probably other beginner bakers, but uh, now that was another listener question from Zamel Zerdesem. He wanted to know, he or she wanted to know, uh, you know, what kind of tips or advice would you give to someone maybe wanting to try that vinoiserie for the first time? Vinoiserie. Um, all right, good question. Yeah, I have to admit that the hardest thing probably I've ever done at home is baking croissants. So, <laughs> vinoiserie. Yeah, it's just um, um, probably. Tips Don't do it on a hot day. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, well, if you're in Australia, listening or some cool climate place, it's great. Um, yeah, hot, so to, yeah, so probably good strong dough to start with. Like you kind of need to get a good structure in the, fir- in the first place, and then from that, yeah, butter is obviously key. Um, mm. You need to keep that butter. Maybe it melts, and you end up with you know collapses or it's um, doughy in the middle. So. Butter is crucial, yeah. So you just, again, it's a bit, a bit of bread, isn't it? In some ways with sourdough bread, it's just a bit, a bit of knowledge and experience. Mm. So you just have to do it and then learn from your mistakes. So, yeah, so butter, keeping the butter cool if it's a little too soft or if it's too hard, on the other hand, it cracks. So, um, oh, okay. And it kind of splinters in the dough. So, yeah, keep it, keeping it around, you know, 16, 17, 18 degrees Celsius. It's, um, yeah, it was like, like I just do it so you do like a blood of, butter block a 250 gram block and um so i worked out the recipe so i reduced it right down obviously from what we did at the bakery so and then yeah work your dough really well so it's strong and then um <clears throat> have your butter just so it's just soft to touch i tried to put all this into a book it's real hard so without, <laughs> you know being next to somebody trying to help them so um yeah i, yeah, I guess with being really good again a good strong high protein kind of flour so okay get the structure and then uh, butter i just use as uh, a company right in the next suburb we use cult- i use culture butter and just roll it out mm. um yeah if it's too soft put it in the fridge yeah or too hard just leave it out yeah but mm. um yeah i don't have a great answer on that because <laughs> it's, it's uh, so it's, it's a very I, seems complicated myself. yeah yeah I, I have to admit i probably to make that work in the book, I probably tested it about 10 times at home. Mm, <laughs> wow. I, don't know, I don't know if I told, told anyone that, but just to make <laughs> it, you know, with, with just to give people a room for for error, you know, what I mean? So like, you know, maybe leave it out for a quarter of an hour, the butter mm-hmm. out for a quarter of an hour to make it more pliable. Okay. Um, yeah. So just um, have a go at it. If it doesn't work, make bread and butter pudding or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Or hide it in almond croissant. This is the way to hide it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's like I said, you know, I have the excuse. My wife is, uh, doesn't do dairy. So that's always been kind of my excuse from shying away from, uh, the mm. laminated stuff. But, uh, mm. yeah, I, I, I'm always so impressed. It's just, just, you know, I mm. wish I could start my morning yeah. with a croissant every morning. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to Scotland, that was last year. That there's a bakery called Wild Hearth. They make sourdough croissants. Oh my god, they were they're as good as any any used to thing. They were they're insanely good. Mm. Um, yeah, they're they're worth traveling to Scotland for. <laughs> they were so good. Yeah, I've been trying to you know do that myself. No, I haven't done it at home, but in the bakery that I'm consulting on, we we did that for a while. So yeah, I, even harder. Yeah, I, yeah the. Uh the sourdough croissant or like a whole grain mm. croissant. I know that they've. Yeah. That's like the Holy grail, isn't it? <laughs> sourdough. <laughs> sourdough. Yeah. Whole grain sourdough. Mm. Mm. 
Well, one you know one of the favorite parts, uh, my favorite parts of your book, like I said, were the the supplier profiles that you did mm. throughout the book, and uh, you know you have one about your honey provider and your dairy and uh, your dried fruit provider, and uh, of course wheat. And you know we talk a lot on this podcast about local grain economies, and uh, mm. you know what I love yeah. about your book is it kind of shows how your a bakery like you know uh, Tavoli wrote, mm. you know it really is able to support lots of different uh, local mm. economies, food economies, you know, and, yeah. but also, as you say, it kind of unexpectedly brought about this sense of community um, mm. for yeah. you yeah. Uh, that you didn't necessarily uh, plan on. And so, you know, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about those relationships that you were able to foster or, or grow. Uh, at the yeah. Bakery. Yeah, I guess I guess one of the things I miss about the day to day stuff of the bakery is is yeah, I guess the community whether that's the customers we knew pretty much sixty percent of the customers by by the names or you know what they're up to or when they're going away or you know even a couple met at our bakery and got married so not you know they just met four or five years ago I think they got married a couple of years ago just because our place was somewhere where they could meet and I've been on the same street for 10, 20 years and you know all of a sudden there's a bakery and they <laughs> met up and got married yeah it's a beautiful story I mean, there's a lot of cases of that that happened in the bit mm. with customers and also yeah with the farmers a lot of the a lot of our grain was um <clears throat> dropped off as well so i mean the the actual direct contact there's no middle person so it's very much all about getting to all our staff or myself going to visit these places as well that was um, mm. the key, mm-hmm. key, key for us i mean we had a probably up to 80 or 90 different suppliers for various things wherever wow. that was whether it's dried fruit from up the road or grain or um, uh, know, coffee and you know, various things. There's a lot of supplies. So I mean, it's all direct relationships, which is very important for us. Um, and we, you know, we, 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 when we started the bakery, there wasn't really much, there wasn't really much local grain stuff. And it was two big flour mills, but there was pretty much, I think uh, it was not many other um, growers. I mean, we, had to, we just asked questions. Yeah, you know, like or or ask the farmers or mm. or people who are growing other other um uh, other um produce. So I can have, can we can you grow some grains? So, I mean, so yeah, so that's why we we and the bakers got together and just just asked some questions and say if you if you grow it, we'll buy it. So yeah. uh, we have, for example, there's a company called Woodstock. Um, they got a new American stone mill from Blair and Andrew a few years back, and they just planted some wheat. Probably about three years ago, oh, then we—I wow. guess—we just put our hand up and said, "We'll we'll take, <laughs> we'll take it, we'll take it." Yeah, we'll support you. So, um, kind of a, an agreement. We yeah. Didn't pay up front for it, but we agreed. And, and John Reed from Redbeard Bakery, also between like, ourselves, Tivoli and John, we pretty much bought most of their, their grain and they freshly milled it and dropped mm-hmm. it into the city, which is about I think about four hours from from Melbourne. And then since then. There's another guy who's an hour away from Melbourne, um, Jason at Turong. And yeah, there's, there's probably three or four small farmer producers, you know, grain producers in, in, in Victoria now. I mean, this is all in the last few years. So I guess just asking questions and yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, show, show interest and, and talk to other bakers as well. We've really, I mean, we've got a real strong community in Victoria, Australia here with, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, we have a WhatsApp group where we, we kind of chat about stuff or, you know, if we need staff or, you know, grain or mm-hmm. just just general troubleshooting. So, you know, it's quite important, this 
we're all like, you know, it's like the virus and we are kind of in this together. So it's mm-hmm. very important that we can su- support each other because it's not easy. You know? it's not yeah. Produced. And so, that's, well, fine. that's something I've, you know, really loved about our community here. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bonnie speaking, you know, we're about 15 mm-hmm. minutes away from each other. There's not oh, a, yeah. you know, there's a handful of uh, little cottage bakeries here in mm-hmm. the area. Yeah. Yeah, as far as, as, you know, what, you know, bigger bakeries that are engaging with like uh, local wheat. I mean, there just are not that many wheat growers to begin with. But like you Mm -hmm. said, it's just, yeah, uh, that's that's something that, you know, it starts with a conversation. And and me and Bonnie have have kind of talked about that daydreams a little bit. And I you know have been starting Mm -hmm. to talk with a farmer in town where I live who does uh, most like almonds and potatoes and, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, we're yeah. starting to like yeah. literally, you know, uh, figuratively and literally plant the seeds of uh, starting, you know, yeah. A, yeah. A, a wheat farm and, you know, what it would mean, mm. what it would take to, to start a, a small 15 acre plot and, and how would we mm. drill it and, and then what mm. would we do with it? And, yeah. you know, and I, I'm just a small little cottage baker, but so I don't necessarily have the means to like, uh, fully support but you know uh mm. yeah it's like like you said it's all of those just start having those conversations and like yeah, saying, yeah. you know hey i'm gonna yeah. i'll i'll buy your your wheat you know you make it i'll buy it and mm. uh, so yeah it's exciting and those i think those are those little movements those little economies grain economies are, are popping up all over yeah um, yeah i've noticed and, it last yeah. year in america and same in the uk i mean it's a grain lab over the kimberly bell from small Small food has a similar thing that she's setting up, and obviously, and over there in the states, we've got you know Dr. Stephen Jones and uh, the WSU, the grain grain gathering. I mean, they're, they're important things. They just like yeah, like you say, they sow seeds, and people people come to them, and you know, each year there's a few more bakeries spreading up, or from Bonnie's Bakery, or from maybe what we did. Maybe we inspired a few people. So it's, yeah, it just it's growing. Actually, like yeah. you know. Even out of the COVID thing, maybe there's a few more cottage bakers. That's, yeah, yeah, spreading, <laughs> spreading. So it's a good thing. It's a good well, thing. Well, yeah, definitely. And you know, and and I think uh, just having access to you know some like a book like yours, where you actually highlight those relationships and those growers, and uh, I think that mm. kind of brings people's attention to it and and uh, helps support support that kind of uh, economy. Uh, maybe get yeah. them off the ground so uh we're all yeah. kind of a, a big yeah. community and and uh and that's yeah it's true yeah agree yeah it's something i've Same. been able to you know access through instagram and you're on the instagram mm. there and so yeah. it's a lot of fun to interact with everybody and kind of just push yeah, each other forward true, yeah. and, and encourage all yeah. that um but uh yeah, it's yeah. Go ahead. a lot of good accounts out there to to follow a lot of good information like Maurizio and Adam and these guys are yeah these are awesome awesome for, for information mm-hmm. so yeah I mean it's all, it's all there for, yeah you've, you've done quite a bit of traveling I, I saw you you were out there with Adam a while back weren't you and yeah yeah um, that was last year I went over, actually went over to this uh, book with Vanessa Kimball the, the sourdough uh, yeah. sweet sourdough mm-hmm. so it was kind of that was summer in Europe. That was last, um, what was that, August, August, September time. Yes, yeah, so I was there for a few weeks shooting that, helped to shoot that book. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I went, and Adam, I've been a big fan of Adam for a long time, so it was awesome to see him. He's such a brilliant, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful family, and their product is, uh, yeah, it's incredible. So it's such a, yeah. such a wonderful bakery that, that's... Um, it's been fun to watch, and, watch him grow that and uh, 
Oh like yeah, off yeah, from, yeah, from 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 a Rothko and from his house, wasn't it? Yes, right from his house yeah. in Greenwich, I think. Yeah, no, he's you know shining light in the baking world. Yeah, it's very yeah. beautiful so, to watch and unfold. Yeah. So you do a lot of traveling. You're doing a lot of. Is that what you do? Um, uh, you kind of your mainstay, like consulting. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when we sold the bakery, my plan was to go to. I went to the states last year. That was. I wanted to do this course at the San Francisco Baking Institute on uh, modern bread theory. Mm. It was basically just that was that was really really like a week of in, kind of intense learning and uh, just the, all about the science in bread. I just you know I didn't really un- fully understand all that stuff. And it, was, it was nice to learn different angles like talking about pH values and um, or experimenting with um, different flours from different people or fresh flour or um, really long ferments and, and things like that and also doing natural natural leaven brioches and panettones and other, mm-hmm. other styles of breads from around the world so it's just nice just to spend some time with awesome people we were i was there with uh, greg from neighbor bakehouse and matt jones uh matthew jones from um he was at outer lands at the time and there were two two wonderful people i had a pleasure just to hang mm-hmm. out with them and mm-hmm. we kind of went a bit off off piece for a while it's cool we we're just experimenting and learning it was super fun yeah so i did yeah. that and then um Went to see Blair and Andrew at Elmore Mountain Bread. That was kind of like a dream okay. come true to work to, to work in that bakery. And then um, from there, I went to see Kate down in uh, Ojai, California. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I'm in little places like some the day. Something I went something eventually something like that. Something small local community where I'm not doing like tons of stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. doing bread and one or two things. I, in hindsight, I probably did a bit too much at, at our bakery. So, um, yeah, I was just giving <laughs> more inspiration, more ideas. And, yeah. 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 And I love America too. So it's a beautiful country. Yeah. So yeah and well, then from, from, yeah, so it's, got, it was a good, good, good trip. Yeah. yeah. Right, so that's something, I mean, I, assuming we get to travel again sometime soon, that's, that's kind of what you've been, that's your uh, yeah. regular yeah, job. So, these days. It, yeah. So it's, it's, um, I've been consulting mostly in, um, in uh, Australia, so I've been helping other people to set up places in uh, in Melbourne or f- uh, with my friend in Sydney with his bakery. So mm. I've been especially consulting and um, um, just kind of, I guess, a break from day to day life of a bakery, a mental and physical yeah. kind of break. Well, I kind of, I'm just starting to get the itch now for something <laughs> for myself. Yeah, so um, I'm curious, yeah. Michael, are when, you? Are you doing or having any questions about like uh, how restaurants or bakeries can adapt to like the COVID uh, pandemic? And is that something you've addressed at all in your consulting yet? Not so much because I've been doing classes as as well. So um, not too much. It's it's just been, um, well, I guess for me, I've just been my home baking for the community. I just thought, okay, I'll just make 30 or 40 loaves Mm -hmm. a week. And uh, that's kind of what I've been keeping me going. And also, um, um, answering loads of questions on Instagram. <laughs> so, so just trying to yeah. trouble, everyone troubleshoot and keep them and giving out loads of style. That's kind of what I've been doing oh, cool. immediately. Cool. And also, I'm also writing a book right now as well. So, yeah, so, book number two. Yeah, book two. Yeah, it's a bit of a Saturday podcast exclusive. I don't really, not many people know about it. So it's a. Uh, well, it's on your. Sign. You did hint yeah, on, add it on your Instagram but, profile. Yeah, I just I just <laughs> dropped it on my profile, but no one really. Yeah, I haven't really announced it or anything. Or what what it actually is. So um, yeah, we signed a contract, pretty much right on lockdown. So when Australia went into wow, okay, lockdown. So we're extremely 
uh, grateful and lucky that we can, uh, you know, using this time to just make bread for the community and also write another book. It's a, it's actually about um, it's more savory baking, so like okay. um, pie, pie, sausage rolls, and more mm-hmm. things like um, tartans or palmiers, but more savory angle angle to them, and also preserves and um, playing around with a lot of different sauces to a complement and go go with these. Um, bakes so yes that's actually due out next year july 2021 yeah okay wow yeah great well that's exciting yeah (laughs) yeah thank you yeah if it's anything like this book right now you know and you have a a, quite a few savory uh dishes in this book Mm. already but uh yeah they all look amazing and uh you do some some british uh savory it's like a hand pie or a Oh, the pasty, yeah. The pasty, uh, yeah, the pasty. Pasty, yeah. That looks delicious. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's like a staple from, I'm from Cornwall, and it's, it's Cornish pasty. Is, uh, what do they call it in, in Cornwall? Uh, it's, just, it's just Cornish pasty. Uh, okay. It's um, meat, uh, sweet, I think you put it, rutabaga over there, sweet, onions and potatoes, uh-huh. salt, pepper, very simple. And mm-hmm. you make it with lard pastry, so... Okay. Yeah, actually, a couple of uh, actually a guy called Tim Sourdough Tim in UK. He's made mm. a sourdough version. Yeah, so it's been yeah okay. nice to see these comfort foods, breads, and you know pasties and pies coming to the fore right now. So mm-hmm. people playing mm-hmm. around with that sourdough discard. <laughs> so, All right, yeah, well, yeah. we'll look forward to uh, maybe seeing some uh, <laughs> movement on that second book, and maybe uh, yeah. You yeah, know, if you ever need anybody to to test any of the recipes, you know, I'm happy to help or, <laughs> or Honestly, yeah, read read the book be... or anything like that. You know, um, got an audience here that I'd love to get get a Thank sneak you. peek. Yeah. So, um, you and you're doing classes mostly on online these days. Um, <clears throat> no, classes are in uh, it's an area called Dalesford, which is about two hours north of of the city of Melbourne. Okay, in Victoria, Australia. So I'm doing sourdough class. Like it's basically um, beginner sourdough classes um, on a Saturday afternoon for about uh, four hours. So it's basically you get to do the whole the whole thing, like how to start a starter or how to maintain it, how to mix the dough, um, shaping, folding, also baking. So I try and set it up. So I'm obviously doing the whole thing would take a whole day. So I'm just trying to uh-huh. condense yeah. the process. You know, so I have those ready to shape or those ready to bake. So, so they get mm-hmm. to, I guess the most important thing is, you know, is the intuitions like, you know, smelling it, uh, touching it, you know, feel it, look at it. And I'm trying to get them to really see what's going on inside in the, the doughs and then just try and yeah. it's, it's smell what's going on, you know, the fermentation or, um, yeah. So just trying the, the from, from the like, uh, mill some flour as well and also right into the end till we bake it so just get to see the whole process and you all just jump in and get get involved uh, which wow, is the best well, way to learn and I'm that would be an experience along. Yeah, yeah taking a taking a class from michael james in australia that would be a yeah yeah a, a bucket list item i think for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so well um yeah well thanks so much for talking telling us a little bit about book number two and and uh, anything else you want to like uh, promote or, or let our audience know about? Is, is there a best way for people to uh, get in contact with you? Uh, but yeah, if any questions, um, I guess Instagram, my email address is on there, michael at michaeljamesbakes.com for questions or inquiries. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I guess thank, thank you all for buying the first book. Yeah. 
And then what was yeah, the so date? Uh, what date did you expect for book number two? Um, it's going to be uh, winter, so 2021, so July next year. Okay. So maybe UK and United States probably be in your full in the autumn right. time, so there'll be a little bit after, I'm, I'm guessing. So, yeah. Well, maybe so, you'll so. Uh, be on a, maybe you'll have a book tour that brings you my way and we can. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, San Francisco or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic. There's a beautiful bookshop there. It's Omnivore Books. Yeah, 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 I love that shop. So, yeah, maybe we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, (laughs) (laughs) be cool. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, you know, I just appreciate you and your inspiring work and kind of your just your your presence in general in our in our baking community. So, thank Thank you so much much for that. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Michael. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. If you feel like you've been inspired by the Sourdough Podcast, please consider supporting it by visiting the sourdoughpodcast.com and clicking on the donate button in the top right corner. Another way to help the podcast grow is by being sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Additionally, another easy thing you could do is to take a screenshot right now. I even give you permission to pause the podcast. So go ahead and share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me. I love resharing your posts. And of course, it's super helpful in sharing the podcast with others. I put you down there just the other day. I swear, although I don't.
I promise to you that I will do better. But you know exactly what I'll do. Now who the hell am I kidding? You know. Where did I?